What does healing mean to you? When I'm able to speak openly about my depression and receive support from community. Voices, the mental health podcast, raising unanswered questions, sharing unanswered prayers. We are faith-based, peer-led, story-driven, and stigma-breaking. I am Tony Roberts. I am Eric Riddle. And we are Revealing Voices. Tony, it is July. It is. It's interesting. We're recording this uh, on Memorial Day weekend, and right. we expect to release it right around July the 4th. So um, our hearts and minds are on those who have served uh, in the military and yes. those who have given up their lives and served so that we could be free. It's interesting, Eric. I'm not really a patriotic person. I'm not a flag waver, but my heart does yeah. go out to um, those willing to sacrifice their lives and their loved ones who are left behind. Yeah. I am wearing a USA shirt right now with a soccer ball on it. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the uh, women's World Cup team about to mm-hmm. start. Uh, yeah. Soldiers. I have friends who've been in the military. Some are still in. and. Mm-hmm. A lot of respect for what yeah. they have to go through. You know, there's always that sense of, like, there's all kinds of stuff I'll never know, mm-hmm. right, that, that they go through while in service. And then for those who, in the aftermath of their service, especially those who have seen action, yeah, you know, there, there are scars there for many. Yeah, I've seen very extreme circumstances. I've served as an officiant at many funerals where mm. – um, a flag is presented, there's full military honors, and yeah. there's almost a sacred honor in in the service and in the, the patriotism there. I've also, you know, led small groups of emotional support groups where yeah. people feel very robbed of their emotional well-being because of their time in the service and mm-hmm. the impact it had on them. So I don't think it's an easy solution. I I will point out that Eric and I have talked about this. One of the ministries, uh, if you call it that, that has come up recently to serve those veterans who have wounds from their time in, in service is called the Wounded Warrior Project. Mm-hmm. And we've just been looking at uh, their website, some of what they do. And they uh, contend that one out of every three service members live with PTSD. Yes. Uh, what do you think of that, Eric? Well, I really like the film American Sniper. I thought that the film did an excellent job of showing what PTSD looks like. It was really interesting to see Bradley Cooper's character being so affected by his time that there was like this push and pull where the camaraderie from his time in battle wanted him to get back, I think, into that that brotherhood. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when he was back in civilian life, you know, he recognized the pain that 
his experiences in, I think in this case, might have been Afghanistan, uh, mm-hmm. took on him and his family. Mm-hmm. You remind me of something that uh, I just heard on a podcast recently about comparing and contrasting the American military with the Israeli military. Mm-hmm. Uh, as many of our listeners know, it's pretty much compulsory that you serve in the military in Israel. Yeah. There may be a few exceptions that I don't know of, but this podcaster was saying the difference is that you know you basically serve a short period of time and then you go to deprogram. Basically, they train you to be a civilian. Yeah. Uh, whereas in the military in America, from the time I know the Afghanistan war has been, you know, going on for over a decade now. Yeah. And I've known reservists who never thought they'd ever leave Indiana, mm-hmm. who served like three stents in Afghanistan. Wow. And then they come home and, you know, how do you go from being trained to kill someone as a soldier, mm-hmm. you know, rightfully so, but then to go back into being a civilian where you're expected to live by a whole different code and a whole different set of rules. Mm-hmm. There's a really good book by Sebastian Younger, who was an embedded journalist, and I think the book is called Tribes, and it, it talks about that camaraderie, brotherhood, experience of being in a military, you know, team and then coming back to civilian life and not being able to find experiences where you were that connected to a group of individuals. But in fact, you are in a situation where there's uh, a lot of ambiguity as to people even like appreciating what you've done for them, mm-hmm. you know, and the pain that that causes also. Mm. Really good book by mm-hmm. Sebastian Junker. Last name is spelled J-U-N-G-E-R. So, Wounded Warrior Project. Yes. This is specific to individuals who have served since September 11th, 2001. I didn't realize that. Hmm. Uh, Their mission is every warrior has a next mission. We know that the transition to civilian life is a journey, and for every warrior, family member, and caregiver, that journey looks different. We are here for their first step and each step that follows because we believe that every warrior should have a positive future to look forward to. There's always another goal to achieve, another mission to discover. We are their partner in that mission. That's very well said. And on the website, they point out that some of the ways they offer services for these wounded warriors, they've, through donations that individuals and corporations and groups have made, they've been able to provide 42,000 intensive outpatient and therapy hours Mm -hmm. uh, and sessions. And I think also, in addition to that ongoing therapy, there there is a lot of training, a lot of follow-up and crisis care, trying to reduce, uh, I don't know if we gave this figure earlier, but uh, studies are showing now that as many as 20 soldiers, uh, wounded warriors, former vets, are dying by suicide every day. That's just got to be, I mean, that's a travesty and a tragedy. It's got to be. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's got to be addressed. I like on the Wounded Warrior Project, they're saying, who is a warrior? And says, veterans and service members who incurred a physical or mental injury illness, or wound while serving in the military. They're very intentionally 
addressing both physical and mental issues that have come out of their time in service. I think it's a very valuable statement for them to make because oftentimes I think it's those soldiers and warriors who are um, likely to not want to share their grief, their mental anguish, their PTSD, which, uh, you know, another stat was showing that one in three uh, people who have served suffer from PTSD. Yeah, there are many needs, and I'm grateful for this organization, and there may be others. If you're out there and listening to the program and you know of other uh, veterans, organizations that are making a difference, we'd love to hear about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the topic of healing, we certainly are praying and and hoping that the healing of our veterans uh, continue on these days of remembering those who have given their lives. We also want to focus on how we have approached the question of healing on our own program. Mm -hmm. Um, Eric, you want to give a little background as to what we came about in formulating this question, what does healing mean to you? Yes, but before we do that, I want to talk about my father, Dr. Bruce Riddle. So, Tony, you saw my dad on Tuesday at Faithful Friends. It was the first time he had come when it wasn't like a celebration family type event. And I've invited him before. Uh, My dad does suffer from bipolar 2 disorder. He's had uh, that diagnosis since he's probably about, I'm guessing, 23, 24. And I had never seen my father uh, hypomanic, which is what... Uh, his therapist called his behavior uh, last week. I just wanted to share a little bit here Please. on the air uh, about that. So I went to my parents' house last Saturday, a week ago, and uh, it was just to drop off something, say hi. Uh, my dad was there, and what seemed like was going to be a very short just exchange, checking in on the garden and whatnot, became about two hours of talking about some some stress he was having and some sleep deprivation he'd been experiencing and uh, a medicine change that had to occur because of some physiological issues. And so as I started putting the pieces together and actually witnessing his increased rate of speech, his multiple times of saying it would take at least four hours to tell the story, interspersing moments of of crying, um, the amount of tangential conversations, you know, like these rabbit trails of of thought, telling me something was going to be a very simple statement he needed to make to me became having to circle back around four or five times before he could even get that particular thought out. I mean, for me, it was really very classic signs of, you know, manic or hypomanic episode. And then uh, two days later, I went there, and he had just been pres- been prescribed a new medicine. It hadn't taken effect yet, so he had another couple nights of, of sleepless nights. It was even more pronounced on Monday, just this past Monday. And we sat, I mean, this is really a picture of the situation. Uh, my, my father has never really shared his condition publicly, and part of his ideation going on was wanting to share his personal story, his testimony, how he has survived 
while keeping these things in secret. I go over there. He is sitting on the front porch. I never have a conversation with my family on the front porch. We're just kind of like a back porch kind of family, you know. But he's on the front porch, and I walk up, and I sit down, and he says, Eric, I want to talk to you. And I said, Dad, you think we should go inside or on the back porch? He's like, no, I think we should talk right here. He's like, I'm not going to be able to even pay attention to what's going on here on the sidewalk in front of the house, so just let me know when I need to quiet down or stop for a moment. And, I mean, it's just incredibly telling, right? Like, Mm. you've never wanted to really Mm. share your story publicly, Mm. but... In the middle of a hmm. uh, elevated manic type state, you are wanting to just mm-hmm. tell me and perhaps the world what is going mm-hmm. through your head right now. And it went really well. You know, I really put on my active listening ears, which mm-hmm. was a lot of uh, reflection back to what he was saying, a lot of trying to help him connect the dots of his thoughts Mm because again it it was very sporadic very different directions Mm -hmm. chronologically all over the place you know going Mm -hmm. from his youth to just experiences with various family members it it was it was a ride Mm. and a big part of this was recognizing that he needs to share his story it seriously almost felt like a rite of passage was happening for him. Mm -hmm. And this moment in time, he was gaining a lot of clarity. I feel like Mm -hmm. uh, in this next stage of life where he's nearing retirement, Mm -hmm. he is free of that burden of what it might mean to his career. And so he wants to share his story more. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of that interspersed in this. He asked that I tell my siblings what was going on. Uh, my mom concurred. I called the three of them that night. Uh, and thank God people were praying for him. Mm-hmm. And we checked in with mom or dad every day this week. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the week, he was able to go back to work. Mm-hmm. He is a doctor and he had mm-hmm. a psychiatrist, therapist, you know, my mm-hmm. mom's <laughs> approval mm-hmm. to do that. You bet. Praise God. Um, we'll see if dad wants to keep this on. Mm-hmm. But. Part of his speech was he he wants to be on (laughs) Revealing Voices. Well, you know what, Eric? As you were talking, I thought this is a perfect opportunity to put a program like StoryCorps on. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of the StoryCorps episodes are like a father and son, a husband and wife, a reconciling moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, the two of you, it could be a full episode or it could be a, a healing, a, you know, a yeah. healing story. I, I think the listeners would just eat that up and I think it would be very healing for your father mm-hmm. and for you. Yeah. I mean, I told him that you could be on a mic all day long and I could edit the whole thing down to mm-hmm. five minutes. So, I, know, think would, to. I think it would be more th- fruitful for both of you if it was a dialogue. With him probably sharing most of the you know meat and potatoes of it, but yeah. I think what you just shared is, I mean, it, it's significant for him to hear, okay, Dad, you know, I'm proud of you for what you've done. Mm-hmm. And here also is how it's benefited us and also been challenging. Yeah. I know when I hear, you know, I'm dying to hear from my children more about how did I do? Where did I fall short? And, you know, where did I really get it right? You know? Yeah, right. 
I think there's a lot of possibilities. Yeah. And the sooner the better. I think he's in a place where he is going to find a lot of healing. Mm-hmm. I really do. Well, let's transition. We are uh, not having an interview uh, this month. Instead, we are talking about what does healing mean to you? Mm-hmm. It is our key question. The meat of this is going to be talking through some cards that people responded to when we were at the Heartland Conference last fall and gave everybody a note card that said, what does healing mean to you? Right. So we'll be reading some of those. Tony, what does healing mean to you? It's been our key question from day one. And just wanted to touch briefly on why did we choose that as our key question? Well, both Eric and I had been listening to the program, The Hilarious World of Depression, and they have a format where the opening of the program is, is depression funny? Yeah. And it really gives a lot of thoughtful response from the interviewee that is sometimes funny, sometimes very profound. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes just not much, but we've been asking this of our guests, and repeatedly we've heard them say, you know, this is one of the most thoughtful questions I've ever been asked, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about it, and both Eric and I have said their responses are often, you know, the best part of our program. Yeah, it remains one of the most generative questions in my life. You know, it's something I, I think of often, and I think it's because I've spent so much of my life living out of my Christian faith and receiving healing from that, but also, you know, personally taking medicine, seeking talk therapy uh, for quite a bit of my life, and, and find healing that way also. And I, I just I love the wide range of, of responses we get from people. And we'll continue to ask it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I do think it's the core of our show, and will continue to animate and inspire us. So we were invited to St. Peter's some time ago and at, uh, spoke at a Heartland conference for ministry leaders. And we put index cards in the pews uh, for people to write their response to what does healing mean to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got a whole bunch of them I haven't counted, but we've gone through and sort of categorized them in six groupings. And then Eric and I uh, chose one in each each group to highlight here on, on the program. Yeah. Do you want to start off? Well, our, our six categories, and we have probably, I don't know, close to 100 cards here. Mm-hmm. But the, the six categories, we, we put these into our acceptance, restoration, wholeness, freedom, peace, and then personal stories. So we're just going to read one from each. Yeah. Yep. And so my first one, acceptance, is when I'm able to speak openly about my depression and receive support from community. Mm. What is yours, Tony? Uh, My first one is knowing I'm not alone. So in my case, I think... Similar to yours, there's a community involvement. Uh, You know, it's important to feel support from someone, some being beyond yourself, Mm -hmm. um, and know that you don't have to struggle on your own. Yeah. And that acceptance can be a personal, like, I accept this diagnosis. Yep. 
but it's also that acceptance into that community, being accepted by others, mm-hmm. allowing yourself to be accepted by others, because sometimes that's uh, that's something we don't receive from people. Yeah, I think of some of the healing stories of Jesus in the Gospels. He will often say to a to a leper, someone he cleanses, you know, after they are restored, he'll send them back to the community. Yeah. Uh, so there is that healing recognition in the community. The next one we chose was restoration, and mine is very simple, restoration of mind, body, and soul. Mm. How about you? Mine is the present tense, ongoing, active Holy Spirit work inside of me. I am healing. We've gotten a lot in our guest response of this ongoing Mm -hmm. nature of healing, that healing is never complete. Right. I I like that a lot. I think sometimes culturally healing is all about the end. Like there's something bad right now and I'm waiting to be healed. So that bad is completely out of my life. Mm -hmm. I, I think it is more about restoration and finding your way into a, a new space, mm-hmm. not, not going backwards necessarily. Restoration doesn't have to be mm-hmm. going backwards to a former place in time when you feel mm-hmm. like things were perfect because they, they never have been, right? We, we have to move forward. And it's a process. You know, that's some of the language I've, I've heard within the faith community about physical and mental uh, illness is, you know, I've had victory over you know, mm. and there's a sense in which, you know, there's a completeness. Right. You know, there's, I've recovered, I've been cured, mm. I'm victorious over. Yeah. And the truth is that, you know, and I like the way your card says it, it's the Holy Spirit uh, working in us and through us in this process. Yes. Next, we have wholeness. Mine says, healing necessarily implies a prior state of illness or brokenness or less than wholeness. Then healing, when it occurs, is a process of moving toward wholeness. It doesn't mean wholeness is ever complete. That may not happen. Hmm. And mine is the pain, abuse, grotesqueness, wrong, bad, all going away. Scars may be evident, but there is no fear of it all getting worse or returning. Mm, I like that. It's a very bold statement, you know, and I think in biblical terms, you know, in, in Joseph's situation, you know, he was he was at risk from his brother's abuse and uh, their wrong until God then led him through slavery, the prison, and then on up out of that into the Pharaoh's house. And the scars were still there. I mean, no doubt. Right. He still, you know, I am, he confronted his brothers and said, I'm Joseph, whom you sold into slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like he forgot. Right. But he moved on. On your card, it talks about not having any fear. I, I really like that. You know, one of the verses I really hold on to is the perfect love casts out all fear. Yep. Right. And I think when you have a diagnosis, there can be a lot of fear wrapped up Mm -hmm. in that. I know Mm -hmm. that was my experience. Mm -hmm. And when we can accept uh, that it's just a part of who we are, I I think some of that fear goes away. And you can get more into integrating this into your life and saying, it's just one part of me. 
There's plenty of people mm-hmm. around me. There's plenty of ways of seeking support mm-hmm. um, and, and taking action to not let this diagnosis make me less than. Right. My card wholeness was very much aligned with, with restoration. Mm-hmm. Be, being restored into that wholeness, it's really, I think, a natural step in that process. Mm-hmm. Next. Yes, freedom. Mine is very simple. Freedom from shame. Nice. Mine says, I am no longer a slave or yoked to an illness, but have hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, part of why I chose my card is that, you know, the, of all the cards we got, I, I don't remember shame being mentioned mm. in in the healing definition. And I think shame is something anyone who's broken or suffered a wound uh, goes through the sense of, was this my fault? Yeah. Is this something I brought on myself? Mm-hmm. Is this a sin that I've committed? Yeah. And uh, until we reach the point where we say in our hearts and in our minds, you know, this is, you know, this is not my sin. This is not my, uh, I don't deserve this. Right. Then I don't think we've started that process of healing. Mm-hmm. Freedom from shame. That's that's good, Tony. Mine, uh, you know, I'm, I'm no longer a slave or yoked to an illness, but have hope. Our faithful friend's scripture is yeah. all about being yoked to Christ. And in that being yoked to Christ, there's a lot of humility. We, we can become totally enslaved by our identity. You know, you pick whatever identity you want. And, and it's very easy to think about that so much that you almost live into a stereotype. And this card is saying, you know, I, I have freedom to not strongly identify with whatever the diagnosis is. Again, it, it is a matter of accepting but not fusing with, with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in here, it, it's contrasting that slavery to having hope, mm-hmm. right? So it's a, a freedom from slavery and a freedom into that hope. You know, mm-hmm. and that's a perpetual experience of really knowing that you are in a process of healing. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I see hope as. It might not feel like it today, but I, I know deep down with that hope that, that there are steps being taken and that I am in God's hands. Yeah. Yeah, I like the hymn that says, Strength for Today and Hope for Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to have a shirt that had that embroidered mm-hmm. on it. So, yeah, peace is the next one. Peace through connection with Jesus, by God's grace, wholeness in Christ, which may or may not involve mental, emotional, and physical wholeness. I think what I hear the, the writer saying is that there's this uh, connection we have being in Christ. Mm-hmm. Which, which is a profound uh, spiritual connection. It doesn't always produce physical, mental, or you know, relational healing that mm-hmm. we might want. Mm-hmm. I hear you, yes. Mind for Peace is a new beginning of a special part of our life or someone else's life. So healing means peace. It means, uh, to this person, a new beginning. I never really thought of peace in that way. But in a way, when you think in terms of like war and peace, mm-hmm. uh, 
whenever the war ends, you you are entering into a a new phase of that relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do see that as a way of framing up healing. Yeah, I like that it includes not only you, but also someone else, you mm-hmm. know, because, you know, p- peace is relational. It, you know, yes. we don't, it's not just that we feel peace inside, but we have peace yeah. in relationship. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. The final one we had was just kind of a potpourri of right. of our favorite. You read yours because I want okay. mine to be the last. Yes, sir. <laughs> so mine says, healing means knowing you are loved even when your mind tells you you aren't. You mm. are loved and have hope for the future in faith. I, I just really liked that. It's a good one. You are loved when your mind tells you you aren't. Mm-hmm. And again, it's that deeper knowing, right? Because I think with a, a mental health diagnosis, when you're suffering from something, there's a lot of um, inertia towards mm-hmm. I'm less than, I uh, will always be dealing with this, you know, it's my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all those really negative self-talk statements mm-hmm. and in this personal story, it's that deeper knowing that I'm loved even when my mind says I'm not. So I, I really identify with that. I think that's a beautiful way of, of putting it. And it and, is, you know, and yeah. I think uh, sometimes I've heard people say, and I've certainly felt this myself, that this is how the enemy works. I mean, it's not through uh, a frontal attack, but through these mental suggestions going on inside of us that Mm. we are not worthy, we are not loved. It's all your fault. Yeah, it's all your fault, all these things, and your mind is deceiving you. Mm -hmm. Um, It's betrayed you. The love of God uh, gives us that confidence that, Mm. as this writer said, it's a flow of healing that comes through in spite of that barrier. Yeah. That's a good one. You know, as I think about this, the whole like mind, body, spirit, mm-hmm. and how even when your mental life, mental health life is not in a good place, your your spiritual life can be, and it, it can really carry the day, you mm-hmm. know, carry you through the times when other parts of your physical or mental well-being are compromised. I have... A very good one from someone in the perspective of uh, one who loves a person with a mental illness. Mm. And and that is this. My loved one would begin to care if her hair is clean, if her clothes fit, she could make friends and be able to work. Mm -hmm. I've heard this from a lot. And my ministry is now extending beyond people like myself with a mental illness. God is leading me to more loved ones of people with mental illness. And there's so much frustration, you know, how I don't want to just harp on my loved one because I do I do believe it's not their fault. You know, this is part of their illness. Right. At the same time, you know, I, I don't want to allow this illness to, to have such a grip on them that I don't do anything mm-hmm. and just enable it to take take over Mm -hmm. and it's 
it's a fine line. And we've had one guest on our program, I think of, well, I think of two guests. I think of Mark Tyke and Laura Pagliano, yes. who have both said, you know, basically, if you get up and eat at the table one day, or if you have the ability to get out of the apartment and you know, sit in the sun for an hour, mm-hmm. you know, you the little things, the, the little things. If you can get out of that dungeon where your mental illness is, uh, confining you that that's a healing moment. Yeah. A healing moment. I think we need to hang on to those moments a little more than we sometimes do, especially when we're down the dumps, mm. you know, especially when we're in the darkness. We, we have to appreciate those moments of light because they are a sign of more and, and more moments to come. We would love to hear your healing moments and submit your healing stories. Uh, Eric, you want to share a little bit about how our listeners might do that? To post your response to what does healing mean to you, you can go to revealingvoices.com and then uh, go to audience participation there at the top. And then uh, what does healing mean to you? Uh, Go in there and you can submit straight into uh, the website. And we can get back to you. We often post people's responses uh, into our blog uh, with your response to what does healing mean to you. We'd love for you to submit. And along the way, we're going to be recruiting people to share brief healing stories related to faith and mental illness, uh, moments that you found transformative or narratives that reveal how God has healed you and is healing you. Yeah, so Healing Stories is also part of this podcast, and we've developed that as a way of diving deeper into answering that question. Mm-hmm. Um, because our guests have been so receptive to the question, we felt like having people give more or less uh, kind of like a monologue form response to that in kind of like a 10 to 15-minute uh, audio recording would be a great way to give people's voice. And we have a few exciting ones in the works. We're recruiting people who are a diverse cross-section of people with mental illness, people who are advocates, people who are parents and loved ones of mental illness. And if you have a suggestion of those that you've heard that are involved deeply in mental health and faith advocacy, Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I'll say about healing stories is that if if you've got a hunch that you've got something really in there, like you you have experienced some degree of healing like we've talked about today, but haven't ever really formed it into a story, um, I encourage you to dig into it a bit more. And I think often... You know, what we're encouraging is to look for points in time. You know, often a story revolves around a very small moment where things start moving in a different direction. And being able to to really dive into those moments helps you to open up, you know, what was really going on during that time. And we want to find people out there who, who feel confident in telling that kind of story. And we want to capture your voice, but we definitely can help in coaching you in the process once 
you've contacted us and yeah. if there's any way we can help. Well, Tony, we're in July. We're in the summertime. Mm, I'm going to be doing some traveling here uh, with my wife's work. She has a number of places, uh, Texas, New Jersey, Augusta, Augusta, Georgia, Detroit, Michigan. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be all over the place playing uh, chaperone and Uber driver. Right. <laughs> so my summer, our, our big thing is going to be Rust Belt Tour 2019. A Rust Belt? Rust Belt Tour. So you'll be in Detroit. Yeah. I was born in Detroit. Ah. Yeah. And so uh, we're going up there. You and Eminem. Yeah, and and then we're gonna head through Cleveland, maybe stopping off at Cedar Point. Mm, I know it well. The theme park, and then mm-hmm. heading east to Buffalo, New York. Oh yeah, where uh, my wife Jen was born, and, and spending some time there. I've never really been in in New York, Buffalo, New York. Well, before. I'll be in New York visiting my family, my children, some. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Sounds like it. Yeah, finally get some time off from the daily grind. And unfortunately, it won't be a time of year where I can see a Bills game. No. Uh, I've adopted them as my, my new uh, football mm-hmm. franchise. Anywho, Tony, uh, yeah. this is great. And if you enjoy the program, we encourage you to give us a rating and a five-star review. We've gotten uh, over 20 five-star reviews and gotten a lot of attention. We appreciate all of you who are submitting that, and uh, let us know from the contact page on our website if there are uh, things that you would like to see us do in the future, uh, comments you have about what we've done that that you disagree with or that has affirmed you in your life. Um, We hope to create a dialogue about faith and mental illness, and you can help through your participation. Yes, sir. Thank you all so much. Thanks a lot. Revealing Voices is not a substitute for professional mental health care or participation in a faith community. If your unanswered questions or unanswered prayers leave you feeling desperate or unsafe, we urge you to seek further help. A partial list of outreach resources may be found on our website, revealingvoices.com.